the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, it's the only place to go. Breaking news, real-time commentary, and powerful stories, and great writing. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription today. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti, taking a break from the literally thousands of transactions that I'm manually inputting this week because of roster cutdowns, waiver claims, practice squad ads, trades, the works. It's just one of those massive, massive situations where everything comes together at the calm before the storm, which is the NFL season. So plenty of to talk to. Um, I will, I'm going to talk about a few notable things that happened during this roster cutdowns, but I want to start with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't have the full details. I have, I think what, what can be considered about 80% of the details and the big news that came out today, if you haven't seen it. And again, I don't have the full breakdown, but I'm sure there's plenty there. One of the, one of the, uh, the complications that the 49ers probably had in restructuring this contract is Garoppolo asked for all these incentives built in. And it's completely understandable because if he's thrown into the fire, if Trey Lance gets hurt or God forbid, Trey Lance is terrible for four weeks and the 49ers people erupt and, and, you know, Garoppolo's have to is thrown back into QB one mode. I think he's going to make a hell of a lot of money. Now this contract can go from seven million to fifteen point four million, based on all the incentives. But the tricky part is, how do you build in these incentives, and also kind of control your cap? Well, what we found out today is, about five million of these incentives are likely to be earned. It's about an eight and a half million dollar cap hit, with just the base salary, the workout bonus the per game roster bonuses. And then based on what we've learned today, it's about a $12.9 million cap hit, which means there's about four to $5 million worth of likely to be earned bonuses because he was the quarterback last year. He did have good yardage. He did have good touchdown rates. He did have good playing time. So it sounds like that a, the 49ers are, are, are generously offering a good package of incentives, which you might expect, but, if and when Garoppolo doesn't play enough to those that, that degree, whether he's traded, whether he simply becomes the QB2 all year and Trey Lance is the guy, there's going to be a big-time cap credit coming to the 49ers next year, which could be very beneficial for Nick Bosa's contract, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we know to, to a certain degree. Just my general thoughts on this thing. I had, I, this was what I wanted to happen months ago. I wrote a couple of bold prediction pieces. I did a bold prediction episode on the Spotrap podcast. This is where I thought this was going to head. A, because I didn't think Seattle was really in. I don't believe they ever were. Yes, I think Carolina was in. I think they found a better option in Baker Mayfield. That's my, that's my assessment. I, I'm reading those tea leaves. Nor do I think they wanted to give up any kind of you know, high pick, second round pick for any of these quarterbacks this year, which, whether it was you know, any of the guys that moved around. Outside of that, I just think there weren't takers. They're flat out weren't takers for this guy. Certainly not at the $25 million, But look, that's just the get him in the door contract. You, you get him in the door, you immediately restructure this thing into something that works for you, a la Nick Foles to the Jaguars all those years ago, and you do what's good for you. If a team really wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be their starting quarterback week one, that contract didn't stop him, nor did the mass exodus of other teams trying to get him stop them. They simply said no. The 49ers probably didn't have too high of a price here. But they wanted a second round pick. They wanted to get rid of this contract, et cetera, et cetera. 
they were able to do the ladder and keep this guy. He had a $7.5 million injury guarantee that we saw kick in while he was getting his surgery repaired. That's basically where we ended up here with a backup quarterback contract. So $6.5 million fully guaranteed base salary, $500,000 worth of per game bonuses. That's not $500,000 per week. That's $500,000 divided by 17 games, of which 15 of those become likely to be earned on the cap. And then, like I said, about $5 million in likely to be earned incentives with a chance at $9 million of incentives total. So it's a good chunk of, uh, of cash here. And to me, the only issue I have with it, and I've heard a lot of smart people say this out loud, is when you, when you put together a contract like this, it leaves the door open for so many possibilities for Jimmy Garoppolo on this team. It basically says out loud, if and when you have to play, you're going to get compensated properly for it. And the problem with that is, you shouldn't want Jimmy Garoppolo to play. If what you gave up for Trey Lance and all you've invested publicly and now internally with, with the work you put in on this guy, if it all doesn't amount to, you are absolutely going to be our 17-week our starter, barring injury, because we know you can do this, then do it. And I, I know there's a lot of smart peop, people out there that didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo to stay on this team because it is going to be the elephant in the room. And, and you can say, guys have to be mentally tougher than that. I agree. But the contracts and the money and all that stuff is public-facing, not just because we put it out there. People are talking about this. And by the way, the guys in the locker room are talking about this. Everybody knows Jimmy Garoppolo's situation. And they also know exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo can do on this exact team. So the second Trey Lance starts to make mistakes, or if he's inaccurate, or if he's wildly inaccurate inside this offense, there's going to be calls both on Twitter, on local radio, and by the way, inside that locker room to be bumping elbows with Garoppolo. And the contract allows for it and basically says, when we need you, you know, if you get to 70% playing time, it's going to be really good for you, an extra $4 million, whatever it's going to be. I haven't seen those details, like I said. But I do think it opens up the can of worms that is going to be, will they, will they, when they, should they, can they? They cannot. My point is they cannot. And the contract allows for plenty of coin if and when Jimmy Garoppolo becomes the week five, six, eight starter. So I'm not concerned about it to the point of where I wouldn't trust Trey Lance. I'm taking him in fantasy all over the place. Okay, I think he's going to be a hell of a Jalen Hurts type quarterback in this league. And he better be, by the way, because like I said, they're pot invested in here. It is a tough situation that it's the reason so many other teams throw out good, good, good backup quarterbacks or don't even really address good veteran backup quarterbacks in this capacity and go for the John Wolferts and the Chad Hennies and those kind of guys who are just less threatening to the QB1 position as a whole. So, yes, San Francisco's playing with a little bit of fire, but by the way, they may think they need to. And I'm not here to say that I haven't been sitting there in training camp with the 49ers. I'm not discussing off the record with any of the, the front office people or the coaching staff there. But just reading what I'm reading here and, you know, assessing the positional spending that some of these teams have been doing, maybe this is them saying, we're just not sure on Trey Lance yet. And we have to have that safety valve because the rest of this roster is ready to win ballgames. And we, we don't want to have screwed up to the point of where, my God, we screwed up on the Trey Lance draft pick and we have no other option. 
So I can say it's a problem for Trey Lance, to, you know, on a week to week basis in the locker room, but it may also be a cry for help, of help from San Francisco saying, we got to have plan B on this roster because we're just not sure. So all that's in play. I'm not objectively kind of saying either, either side or the other, but there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of discussion to be had. Let's put it that way with the 49ers. And oh, by the way, I still think this is a team that's going under nine and a half wins. So put your money that way. Speaking of which, Scott, Scott Allen's going to join the show in a couple of minutes here. We're going to go through some favorite player props, receiving yards, touchdowns, rushing, defensive, interceptions, sacks, all the work. Kind of the, kind of the standard player props as we head toward week one. Scott's done some great research on this, so we'll talk that out at the back end of this show. Just a couple of thoughts from waiver claims and things like that here as we head towards literally one week before NFL football. Um, the Raiders are just so fascinating. I had a lot of high hopes for Mike Mayak when he joined that because I thought he was a smart guy and may bring a good creative touch to the GM world as a whole. It was an epic disaster, and it can, remains an epic disaster. And Alex Leatherwood becomes the latest outright wave off this roster in terms of first round picks. I, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse with this stuff. We talk about their lack of first round success quite a bit here, but I mean, my goodness, my goodness, you know, how many times are you going to swing and miss on this stuff before it becomes comical? I, I'm not saying the Henry Rugg situation should be thrown into this because obviously that's just a terrible situation with some bad luck for the team, but trading away Amari Cooper, trading away Gary on Conley, Cleveland Farrell is still on this roster despite they not being able to use him at all. I mean, he's basically just a special teamers at this point. They declined Josh Jacobs option. They declined Jonathan Abrams option. Arnett's already gone. Leatherwood's gone. Ruggs is gone. It's, uh, it's a comedy of errors. There's been one successful first round pick. And I guess Josh Jacobs isn't unsuccessful. He's just not extendable. And that's fair. It's a running back position. But Colton Miller in 2018 is the only slam dunk success since 2015 out of their first round. And he's now extended as their starting left tackle and he's a good player. But you just don't see teams swing and miss this much, this regularly. I mean, three first round picks in 2019 and you're not going to retain any of them. I mean, none of these guys are going to be in this roster next year. None of them. So it's a, it's a tough situation that continues to get worse. And I guess the only silver lining here is Alex Leatherwood was claimed by the Bears today who are trying everything on the offensive line. They're dying to make Justin Fields a good quarterback, and they, they were unsuccessful in the draft. They were unsuccessful in free agency. You know, this guy, maybe this guy can step in and play a decent right tackle for them. He certainly couldn't do it for the Raiders. But this waiver claim takes $5.9 million of guaranteed dead cap and cash off of the Raiders' table this year. It's a huge win for the Raiders. Now, maybe they knew that was coming, and that's why they waived him in the first place. But it's a huge victory that they can get this guaranteed salary off of their table and onto the Bears. So I guess it works for both sides. You know, Amari Cooper on Cleveland now has a real opportunity to resuscitate his career, even though he was solid outside of injuries in Dallas. Some of these names are going to continue to live on, but from a Raiders standpoint, it just never gets boring. Every single offseason, I feel like we have to go back to this well, and hopefully we can stop doing that in the near future here because do think they have a semblance of a pretty damn good team there and, a, and an underrated quarterback who's now properly paid as well. So outside of that, the, the trade with New Orleans and Philadelphia is just another example of those two GMs, Mickey Loomis and Howie Roseman, just doing things. They, can, they continually do 
things, whether it's a restructure, whether it's a trade, whether it's a triple option bonus, you know, they just continue to push the envelope from a cap perspective, from a roster perspective. And here we are, August 30th, and they make a swap that makes Philly markedly better in the secondary. Markedly better. They get a starting defensive back on August 30th and give up mid-round compensation for it. And New Orleans is basically looking at this and saying, that's a guy who's going who's to be a, a problem for us from a contract standpoint next year. It's an expiring contract. We're not going to be able to extend him. He's not going to be a franchise tag candidate. So let's get some draft capital right now for him. And we can use that draft capital to move up into the third round, get, get some kind of replacement for, for him, and, and go from there. It's, it's chess instead of checkers. We know how this works. You can say that the Saints didn't get enough back, but this is the equivalent of you know, a guy entering his final year of arbitration who's you know, not a star player, but a good starting roster, rostered player that teams are just saying, yeah, we'll take him off your hands. We know you don't want to pay him, overpay him this year and certainly don't want to pay him next year. So we'll give you some C prospects for him. Well, that's what this is. This is C prospects going to New Orleans prior to this season so that they can replenish their pool next year. And the Philadelphia Eagles get a guaranteed bona fide starter right now on a one-year contract. It's just that kind of stuff that comes up. We saw the Patriots do this quite a bit in the Tom Brady era. Certainly, like I said, Philadelphia, they never, never stopped doing this up until the deadline. And uh, the Saints are just the Saints. It just never stops. And oh, by the way, as I'm speaking, Philadelphia has just traded Jalen Rager, their embattled wide receiver to the Minnesota Vikings, who Scott and I are about to talk about it, are just one of those offenses that could be a disaster because of Kirk Cousins or the best offense in football. And they just get themselves another weapon in Jalen Rieger from the Eagles who continue to sit. Without being under their hands, pushing the envelope, moving forward, Harry Roseman cannot stop doing things as a GM. Can't stop. Won't stop. Good stuff here. Let's talk some player bets with Scott Allen. All right, Scott, let's switch gears a little bit. Usually it's an NBA discussion, but uh, we're a week away here from the NFL regular season. Fantasy drafts are in full swing. We're kind of... Uh, you know, we got all these numbers on our mind. Let's talk a little bit about the gambling portion of things in terms of player props. You put some, some work into this today for us. I, I assume you had fun with this one. There's probably an endless amount of props at this point. Now, you know, with so many states doing this thing and really so many companies and, and smart people kind of putting their, their heads into this. A anything stand out like a sore thumb or really is it kind of just part of the, you know, part of the conversation now? Yeah, pretty much part of the conversation. You know, most of the ones I picked here that we'll go through are the the chalk ones, you know, passing yards, rushing yards, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm in Virginia, so there might be some different uh, props from other uh, states. Like I can't in Virginia do anything with MVP awards or, yeah. you know, player of the years, any of those. I can't do any of those. So um, I'd have to go to another state to do so. But um, so I just went chalk for the most part with conversation, but I ran some stats with it just to compare last couple years or last year versus uh, the players up for the, the, the best odds and that kind of stuff right now. All right, let's try to go backwards then. We'll finish with the quarterbacks because obviously we do so much talking about them. Um, anything defensively that you, can, that you can roll with this here? Because I feel like we we under just underserve some of these great players in the league. Like for instance, I have to imagine that despite his little neck here in preseason, TJ Watts got to be at the top of a lot of these lists. And by the way, 
Pittsburgh as a whole is just really interesting. And they're going to start to drive some conversations when they're facing the Browns and some of these teams that are polarizing. And I, I think, I was just going to say it out loud without a betting stance. I think Pittsburgh and Cleveland are pretty damn close right now because of no Deshaun Watson. So defensively, in fact, I put a tweet out this morning about the the 53-man rosters. Pittsburgh's got the most cap-invested defense in the league. And if you look at some of the names on that roster, you're going to like what you see. So I, I have to imagine that there's probably some money to be had here in terms of Pittsburgh defensively. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, if if you want to go there, looking at the sacks, PJ Watt is obviously yeah. the number one favorite on sacks. He had uh, 22 and a half last season, followed by Robert Quinn at 18 and a half. So uh, I, I pulled those up here. So if we go TJ Watts at plus 650, Miles Garrett plus 700, then it jumps up to Trey Hendrickson at plus 1400. He's all Aaron in that It's crazy. That's all yeah. in one division there. Yeah, it, it's it's super interesting because, you know, I, when I went and looked at the stats from last season, you know, the top five, six were, you know, outside of TJ Watt being the anomaly there. It, after that, it's pretty much a big drop off. Hmm. So, um, you know, the, the, the highest sacks for last year were TJ Watt, Robert Quinn, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Trey Hendrickson, and then Micah Parsons rounds off at the six. So, um, well, I can tell you right now, if Nick Bosa doesn't get a contract in the next seven days, he's going to have a hell of a lot to be playing for this year because he'll be that right. one 49ers player that didn't get paid this off season. And he's going to be pissed. So you yeah. And he's at plus 1600. So that would yeah. be good you know, value. Really good value. Right good there. value. No question about it. What about from an interception standpoint, if we talk secondary, by the way, again, uh, you know, Pittsburgh secondary, excellent Baltimore secondary, excellent. Certainly what the Eagles just did in pulling New Orleans, you know, a starting New Orleans defensive back yesterday at, at waiver wire. And then by the way, that Saints secondary devastating. So where do we land in here with, with guys who can probably pull the ball out of the air? I imagine Trevin Diggs or Trevon Diggs is the, the sexy name because of what he did last year in Dallas. Yeah, he is. He's third on the list for the odds. Xavier Howard's at first at plus 600, then JC Jackson at set plus 700. Trayvon Diggs is at plus 70, uh, 750. And then it jumps up to Kevin Bayard at uh, mm-hmm. plus 1600. Jalen Ramsey plus 1600. Justin Simmons plus 1600. It's interesting. It's a mix of safeties and cornerbacks, right? And it's kind of based on that, how their defenses are, are aligned and right. systematically. Uh, boy, Justin Simmons. I, I mean, that's a guy who's going to benefit from just so much this year field position a loaded secondary that they've spent loads and loads of draft capital and free agent capital on at some point that Denver secondary is going to come home to roost so a decent value there I think at 16 to 1 Jalen Ramsey is going to be I mean look all these divisions are going to be massively big high throwing divisions with the exception of Kevin Byard in Tennessee you have to think with Indy and Jonathan Taylor and Matt Ryan and you know some you know Trevor Lawrence is going to throw the ball to some degree but I would put him probably last in terms of best value here. Uh, a lot of people like Miami. A lot of people like this Miami defense. I, I know it's manufactured in the last couple of months. We've talked about their offseason quite a bit. But that's a guy who finally got the contract he's, he's been asking for. And it's prob- probably wants to reward this city now for keeping him around, for, for kind of playing nice contractually over the past two and a half years. They, they gave him a little extra two years ago. And now they've built just a mammoth, off season around him as kind of the centerpiece defensively. It, so 
you have to think even at six to one, it's not terrible money there. Yeah, not terrible. And can you parlay these, the Scott? Um, most likely have to not, right? I think I you probably I have to play so. their their single game parlay kind of stuff, right? For futures, right? Um, yeah, just, just trying and, to just trying to find more value is all. But I I wonder where you stand uh, just in terms of defensive bets at all. You know. Yeah, I mean, you, you, got, you have to be careful on who you're picking because, you know, division, you play your division right. more, you know. So do you, you bring Xavier Howard, Miami, going up against Josh Allen, going up against Mac Jones, going up against uh, uh, maybe Zach Wilson, Zach maybe Wilson, Joe Flacco, if he's right. there. Yeah. Right. So and then, you know, Trayvon Diggs going up against Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. Daniel Jones. Yep. So do you, do you just go chalk on those? I mean, last year when I pulled up the stats from last year, Trayvon Diggs had 11. JC Jackson had eight. Uh, he going to butcher the yeah. last name. Orari, Orari. Yeah. yeah. And then the Bills secondary. And then the Bills, Micah Hyde and, and Poyer right. were tied A lot of this is five. product of system, product of schedule. So you, I, I don't fault you. Uh, maybe Trevon Diggs at plus 750 is the right play here based on the quarterback list you just threw out there. You know my love for Carson <laughs> Wentz. Uh, and Daniel Jones is, I think, set up to fail right now, unfortunately. I know that Giants regime is, is promising and they're, they're going to figure this thing out in two to three years, in my opinion. But I just feel like he's walking in onto a plank that he's going to have to fall off to up at some point. And I imagine Tyrod Taylor is going to be the quarterback of that team soon. I just, I, that's the way I read that team. So you know, that Dallas secondary might be able to benefit from just the complete instability of the quarterback play in that room. All right, let's move into the offense then. The, uh, the running game is going to be fascinating this year. I think a lot of people are investing a bit of aggression stock in Najee Harris and Pittsburgh if we want to keep on the Steelers here. Right? Or, honestly, Scott, I, I, I could place eight bets on Pittsburgh this year because I think there's value there. I think they're just being underserved. I understand the quarterback position, and I have plenty of concerns there regardless of who's playing. But I just think there's names all over that roster. And by the way, they were a playoff team last year with Ben freaking Roethlisberger. So, you know, are you telling me that none of these guys can step in for at least three quarters of a season and be better than Ben last year with right. a better defense with, a, I think, a better offensive line? And they're still trying to patch that together, by the way, here at Final Cuts. I, I just think there's guys on this team. So you're talking, I, I know we're going to talk Najee Harris. I'm, I'm sure there's a world where George Pickens, Rookie of the Year, can, get, can be a bet. I'm sure there's a world where Deontay Johnson, some sort of over under in terms of catches or, or yardage is worth of value because what is he 15th on the on the wide receiver list right now in a lot of regards, by the way, and pay as well with this new extension. So I, I just think there's tons of value on that roster specifically. Is there another team as you went through these, maybe offensively speaking, where you thought, man, that guy seems low. Is it Minnesota? Is it, is it Seattle? Are DK and Tyler Lockett being completely thrown away because of Geno Smith? Yeah, from a reception standpoint, you're yeah, DK being low. I, listening to you and, and cousin Dan, you know, I know you're high on Minnesota. Some of the, Kirk Cousins was low for the passing yards. I was kind of surprised mm -hmm. on that. Uh, Delvin Cook was third for overall rushing yards, and then Justin Jefferson is is number one for total season receiving yards but Kirk Cousins being low yeah. you know is, is interesting from that standpoint how can Kirk I, Cousins be low if Justin Jefferson is is projecting I, off the charts 
And by right. the way, I'm going to say the same thing about Derek Carr with Devontae Adams. How can exactly. you have one high and the other basically an average? You just can't do it. And Derek Carr is a top five yardage guy over the past couple of years. So I, it's just funny how some of the math never works out for me. It, it does. So, I, and I looked at two metrics with uh, the betting and, and stats here for rushing and receiving. So I looked at the actual total season rushing and total season receiving, but then I looked at um, the props for 12 plus rushing touchdowns and 12 mm. uh, plus receiving touchdowns. But I, I threw some stats in there to, to look at. So when looking at the rushing and receiving yards, I looked at the, uh, last three season average. So how many total yards per the last three seasons instead of just total because total is kind of jaded. So Especially I did with season. injuries. Yeah. Right. So I, I did it from that standpoint, kind of interesting. I mean, if you want to, you started off with rushing so we can go there. So with rushing the highest rushers per average season mm. over the last three seasons was Derek Henry, Dalvin cook, Nick Chubb, Ezekiel Elliott. I found the, okay. Uh, you know, the Nick Chubb is kind of interesting with how many. Well, let, yeah, let's let's go through all these guys because I actually want to keep going down your list on this because I think it's worth people's time from a betting standpoint, maybe from a fantasy standpoint too. Let's try to reference or, or, or give a status on these players. It, okay. Yes, they've been great for three years. Yes, they were, they were great last year. But do they have a reason to be great this year with everything right. going on with them from a career standpoint and their team around them? Does Derrick Henry have reason to be great this year? Maybe. Oh, I say 100%. I, I think Ryan Tannehill knows he's a sitting duck, and the offense is going to start to revert back but to Derrick I, Henry. I, I say maybe because if the workload is going to solely be on him, that injury factor goes way up. And by the way, he's, isn't, it, isn't he the guy that doesn't start till week nine? Yeah, right. Exactly. It, that's the guy, right? So you're yes. right. Maybe it's going to be a slow process no matter what. Does Delvin Cook have a reason to be great this year? Yeah, because that team is potentially primed to be great. Might be the best offense in football. Yeah. No question. Does Nick Chubb, do we need to answer this one even? Yeah. Nick Chubb has yeah, all yes. the reason in the world to be historic this year. He could be historic. Yeah. Zeke Elliott. Um, yeah, I would say yes. Coming off of, uh, what the injury and the COVID stuff that he had, I think he has a, um, you know, he was doing what phenomenal at the beginning of the season last yeah. year, if I remember correctly. And then had the, what the injury, if I remember correctly. So, yeah. I, so yes, I'm going to say you, yes for him. I bet if we threw a poll out with one of our newsletters on this one, Scott, I bet if we said, Who's gonna? Who's who's got more to play for this year? Who might who might have the more the better production this year? Zeke Elliott or Derrick Henry? Oh, I'm probably gonna go Zeke Elliott. I, even if you think the Cowboys love Tony Pollard more, and I think they do at this point, maybe not Jerry Jones, but maybe the coaching staff. <laughs> Isn't it more worth their time right now? to just run Zeke into the ground. They know he's done. They know yes. it's one and done with Zeke. Contractually, the, the work's tough. And because of Pollard, by the way. And Pollard's expiring. They're going to have to pay him next year. Maybe even midseason. But it makes no sense right now to not try to get every last dime out of Zeke Elliott. And I think they're going to do that from an offensive standpoint. So I'd put him top yeah, it, three right now. 
It, it, yeah, that's kind of a what DeMarco Murray situation exactly. where they ran the hell out of him exactly. and said, all right, see ya. And then look where he is now. I mean, it's a very similar situation. Just run the heck out of him and get every penny that you can out of him and go from there. One more player on this list who I think is in the exact same boat. Maybe not as drastically, but there's one more player on your list here who, you, who we haven't mentioned yet, who I believe is in the exact same situation. The, the, the next guy in line is already there already shown he can do it all by himself. But I, I think that this guy is going to get utilized so much. The usage rate on this guy this year in his team is going to be maximized. Any guesses? Um, Aaron Jones? No question. Yeah, I, I think it's a monster year, potentially a one and done situation based on his contract. And they're going to have to pay A.J. Dillon. He's, he's the next guy in line. He's ready for that contract. So I think logically speaking, it's run Jones into the ground. I know, oh, by the way, you know, without Adams, I think Jones is going to be the big crutch for Aaron Rodgers this year, which is pretty simple to figure out. So I, I, I think surprisingly great seasons from Zeke and Aaron Jones are worth betting value right now. Which would be fantastic value because yep. Elliot is at plus 3,000. Aaron Jones is at plus 4,000. So if you think they're uh, going to have home run seasons, then those are the guys you put your bets on. The problem is, though, is that they're going to be versatile seasons. It's yards from scrimmage, right? If they're going to catch a ton of... They, they may catch more balls than they have rushing attempts, quite right. frankly, because of the guys behind them handcuffing them. So it's really tough to, to pinpoint what they're going to be great at. Now, the 12 touchdown situation, that's, that's po- possibly bettable for these guys. Um, but you know, everybody's in an RBBC situation for the most part outside of Jonathan Taylor. What about the receiving game, Scott? What stands out in terms of your, uh, your research or just, you know, there's a guy sitting there with tons of value. We got to do it. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned already out of the gate, Devonte Adams. I mean, he's what sixth on the list for most receiving yards, but when you look at his production over the last three seasons, he's top three. Yeah. Uh, the other two that are top three, Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, they're one and two in the odds. So from a value standpoint, if you think Adams going to the Raiders with Carr can still have that production, that could be a uh, great value. I love the guy you've got highlighted here in your last three season work on re- receiving yards. Yep. Because if we talk about DJ Moore, who we almost never do, even though he just got a new contract along with the rest of the wide receiver world. That guy doesn't have Aaron Rodgers thrown to him. Hasn't had Aaron Rodgers thrown to him or Kirk Cousins or Matt Stafford, right? Or Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes. If I'm, just, I'm just referencing the quarterbacks of the players around him right now on your list. It's been Cam Newton. It's been, I don't know, Derek Ant, whoever the hell has been patching it in and then Darnold last year. Baker's an upgrade. There's, there's no question in my mind, Baker's the most talented quarterback this team has had in the last three to five years. And I'm including that last couple of years of Cam where he just, he was too injured to be Cam Newton. I, there's a real chance here that that Carolina offense, at least for what, half a year, looks really good, you know, with McCaffrey, with DJ Moore, with a couple of players they've added from, from a peace standpoint, with Robbie Anderson to some degree, and with Baker. So I, I, that's probably my value pick for whatever yeah, you're he's thinking a plus about. Three- yeah, he's a plus 3,000 too. I just pulled him up because he wasn't even in the snapshot that I had here. And it's probably not worth taking him in the most receiving yards, but if but take his over. 
take his over on catches, take his over on yards, you know, seek out those kind of, uh, of bets here. Maybe, maybe that's the play for a lot of these guys we're talking about. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, you know, if you have to think about it this way and, and you think, oh, they're on bad teams, how are they going to do this? They're going to be down. They're going to be losing in the second half. That's generally when Baker Mayfield comes out and, be, and turns into, you know, video game mode and DJ Moore is going to be benefiting from that. So I, I just think there's some, there's good value in, in taking good receivers on bad teams, especially when you know it's going to be a, bit, a pass heavy offense like this. Yeah, completely agree. I, the, the plus 12 uh, uh, receiving touchdowns is kind of interesting. So I looked at last season, you know, one, one through four on last year we had 12 plus, the fifth and sixth are uh, 11 and 12. So, you know, one through four from last season. Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. you know, Devontae Adams had 11, and then Thielen, Diggs, Jefferson had 10. So then when you compare that to the odds for 12 plus, you know, Justin Jefferson at plus 330, that looks pretty sexy there. Devontae Adams at plus 210. Again, if you think going to Derek Carr, who is a, you know, he's a reliable quarterback. Let's be honest. His stats are there. People don't love him, but I can tell you right now, Justin Jefferson and Mark Andrews at plus 330 each is money in the bank for me. Uh, just yeah, just can, flat out money in the bank. And in, in, based on my screenshot here, you can find up to four selections in a parlay. So if you think Adams, Andrews, you know, Jefferson, you think these guys are going to. Right. And you're putting Chase in there because that's almost a guarantee, in my opinion, outside of an injury. Uh, yeah. I, I love this. I, I, I love that, this. I think the, the the surprise out of this list is Gabe Davis. How about at plus yeah, that, that Gabe and Stefan Diggs are basically neck and neck and both are considered favorites to do it. That means Josh Allen's got 24 touchdowns without even trying right now, basically. Right. Yep. <laughs> Passing touchdowns. So that's a hell of a lot of respect for that Buffalo offense. There's no question about it. Okay. Let's get to the quarterbacks. Let's get to the meat and potatoes here. What, what do we find out, Scott? Let's start negative. You want, Give you, me the interceptions. I, I, I was going to say, you want to go, you want to go interceptions. Interceptions are interesting. And yeah. it always is, you know, and the, the players that are on here, you know, you got Justin Fields at the top with Zach Wilson and Davis Mills at plus 800 for all three of them. Baker Mayfield at plus a thousand with Trevor Lawrence, you know, can, can we Daniel go back, Jones. Can we go this way? Cause you, you give me a name and then I'm going to tell you how I feel about their offensive line. Because I just think those two things are so interlocked with the decision-making process, especially with young quarterbacks. And I've done some, I've done way too much work on offensive lines the past couple of weeks here because of transactions. And I just, I, I think I have a decent handle at least to be able to say top 10 right. or bottom 10. So, so you, I, you run the top five favorites for most interceptions. And I'll tell you based on offensive line, if they belong in the top five. Okay. Trevor Lawrence. I, I still think yes. I, and, and and the only reason I'm saying it, I think the offensive line got better, but I think Doug Peterson's basically going to tell him, go crazy. Yeah. Make the throw. If it's the wrong throw or if it's inaccurate, we'll deal with that. But I, I, I think last year he got bottlenecked up so much with Urban and whatever bullshit that was. I think Peterson's job this year is just to unleash college football Trevor Lawrence. So he's going to make his mistakes. I really think that's going to happen. So yes, he belongs. Baker Mayfield. Almost the exact same conversation. Matt Rule's playing for his job. Baker Mayfield, go be a superstar. Yeah. Uh, Davis Mills. Does not belong here. 
Houston's going to be so conservative. They have a good offensive line, in my opinion. Not great. Middle of the road. I think this is a smart, smart kid who, who almost like Garoppolo-esque is going to be able to manage the game and keep this team in more games than they deserve to be in. I, I'm not high on Houston, but if you're betting them to be the worst team in football, I think you're making the wrong decision here because I think they have really smart football players and I think smart front offices that are establishing this process as we're not going to be god-awful. We're going to be intelligent. And then when we need to find our playmaker, we're going to overpay in some sort of trade, whether it's in a draft or, in, or, or, or just for a veteran, and we're going to take the right step. But I think what they're doing is building a Garoppolo-type 49ers offense here. And I think it's going to be somewhat successful, to, to at least to a conservative and, degree. Right. And everything I hear, they love this kid. So, you know, so number two is Zach Wilson. I'm not gone. I'm here. <laughs> I don't hate the offensive line. Obviously, they've had a Beckton issue with the injury, but they also were very aggressive in replacing him and bringing in in Dwayne Brown. I, the only reason I don't want Zach Wilson as for most interceptions is I don't think he's going to play 12 games. Right. I, and that's my concern, too. If you're missing... right. You know, a fourth of your season—that's that—that's that, a lot to when you're talking about season interceptions. So that's my concern there. Justin Fields belongs here, not because I don't think he's great. I actually think he's going to be a phenomenal fantasy quarterback this year, even if the interceptions are there. But they have the worst offensive line in football, and they know it. And they just made a waiver claim on Alex Leatherwood from the Raiders, which which is, comes with a five point nine million dollar guarantee. It's just—I mean—they are trying everything right now to keep Justin Fields upright. So he belongs here. He belongs as the favorite. Do you have a favorite down the list? I do. And by the way, he's won this bet before. Yeah, I do. Go ahead, give it to and, me. And I, I, James Winston, definitely sixteen to one <laughs> on James Winston. Give it to yeah. me. Give, right. give me all the monies. I, I, are you kidding? They, they lost their left tackle. Yeah, they did a decent yeah, job in the draft. He, isn't he the one that either went or was just shy of 30, 30 touchdowns? I think it was 40-40. Wasn't it 40? Yeah, it was 30-30. 30-30. Yeah, he's <laughs> there. I mean, he is. Do we so think how's that offensive line then? If we're talking about offensive line. Middle of the road. Okay. It's middle of the road. There's a lot of overpaid, underproducing players in that roster. And they, like I said, they lost the left tackle and Taron Armstead to Miami this year. So... He, he stands out like a sore thumb for me in the middle of this pack. And then, you know, I, I think Trey Lance is going to be a different version of Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I don't think I would touch that. D does Josh Allen belong in this conversation? I, you know, I was going to play the game. Who does not belong on this list? And, you know, Matt Stafford and Josh Allen kind of stuck out. Like, yeah. should they even be in the conversation? Well, Stafford with lost, the his, lost his left tackle too. So that's fair. Well, that, well, that, that is fair and his injury, but... You know, from a veteran standpoint, you know, everyone else on this list is veteran or younger, you know, uh, chaotic. Yeah. I guess Josh Allen can be a little chaotic, too, if he re re regresses towards, you know, reckless throwing. But those two, I kind of scratched my head at. I didn't expect to see those two. I actually think Lawrence and Jameis at 10 to 1, 16 to 1, respectively, are, is where the money should go for very different reasons. Not, I guess not really. Both are just trying to open up an offense that has weapons, but maybe just doesn't have systematically the right fit right now. I think they're going to be 
just sloppy to some degree, but while, as they figure this thing out on the fly, but the good, good value there for sure. Let's go to passing yards, Scott. What do we have? It's, it's got to be Herbert. I mean, yeah, Her- Herbert's number one, yeah. which is no, which is no surprise because no. over the last two seasons, he's been the top average yards. So no surprise there. It was Herbert at plus, but not by a ton. Holy cow, Tom Brady. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh my very, goodness. So yeah. So per season, Justin Herbert, then Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, Philip Rivers from two years ago. I mean, Matt Kirk Ryan. Cousins at twenty to one is ridiculous. Scott, he's Kirk twenty Cousins, to one right now for most right. passing yards. Yes, I'm going to bet and, that as soon and, as we get off the show. It, and, and that's why I brought up the whole Ju- Justin Jefferson situation. And if Dalvin Cook is doing what he needs to, then that's going to open up the passing game. And if you're really high on Minnesota, that's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, the other one that I was kind of surprised by based off of the stats and then looking at the the odds is Matt Ryan. Yeah. He's top five in average, uh, but he's a plus 2,500 odds for mm. most passing yards. So if you think him moving from Atlanta to Indianapolis could be a better for him. There's then, certainly value there. I don't know what kind of deep ball arm he has left, and that's probably why he's where he is. But he's got he's got receivers that can get open down the field. There's no question about it. I don't know if he can get the ball there. But how, how about how about Rodgers? I, I, I guess yeah. That tells me that they're not sold on the wide receiver core that he's going to be throwing to. Now that could shock. But your research but, is pretty evident as well. I mean, he's eighth on this list in right. the last three year yards per season. Eighth. Derek Carr is ahead of him for all you people that hate Derek Carr. So yeah, that's I guess that's telling. So. All right. But that included but that included, you know, Devontae Adams and whoever else. So can the roster that is around him now yeah. it, is is Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady esque where it doesn't matter who is on the roster, as long as you have that quarterback there, the production is going to be there. So again though, I look at divisional defenses going up against them, right? And if you're talking Herbert. If you're talking Mahomes, if you're talking anyone on that AFC, I'm telling you, we just talked about it with Justin Simmons. That Denver secondary is going to take away balls. So are the Chargers secondary. They just locked up their, you know, their big safety and they brought in JC Jackson, who was top of the list last year anyway. So I I understand the weapons that exist in that division, but you can't bet without considering that they're going to cancel themselves out here. They're going to cancel themselves out. So Somebody like, and by the way, Derek Carr's got to be in that conversation too, even though I love the offensive weapons they added this year as well. So if you go down this list, and I'd put Burrow high, probably higher than he is right now because of their, their, the fragility in that division, although Baltimore secondary, Cleveland secondary should be good, Pittsburgh secondary as well. So maybe I'm talking myself out of that. Again, I'm getting to Kirk Cousins. I'm getting all the way down to Kirk Cousins. I like Green Bay secondary. I don't love it. I like it. Detroit's got nothing from me yet. Chicago's got absolutely nothing from me right now. So if we're just talking divisional secondaries, Kirk Cousins should have, have a field day in Minnesota this year throwing the ball over the top. I, 20 to 1. It's all day. That's the value bet here. Yeah, completely agree. That's the one that stuck out for me too. Anything else before we get out here? Is this good stuff? No, that's about it on those. I mean, I, like I said, I went chalk just because, you know, some of the other ones that you can pick from are just like in, insane kind of things. I mean, you got to go super deep into the stats and want to go into that. But 
I found these kind of interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see over the course of the season how things change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because yeah, that extra gain. So that helps in at the back end where, like you said, Derrick Henry, he's a late starter. So if he's a late starter, yep. having one extra game at the end of the season may help him. It's also a very game. high divisional schedule at the end of the season based on how they do things now, which by the way, in his division is going to help, you know, that's a great point. Yeah. All right. Let's finish on this. Cause I kind of mentioned it with Houston before worst regular season record as a team prop here. Yeah. I have it in front I'm, of me. It is Houston and, and I get it. I, I don't believe in it, but I get it. I get them being there. Yeah. I actually already put this one in and that's not who I picked. You, you actually bet this already. I did. Okay. So then stop me when you made your bet. Houston, Atlanta, Seattle, New York. You took the Seahawks. I did. I very much agree with this pick with this bet, Scott. (laughs) And I, and I did it before the whole Jimmy G situation went down. Good. So um, obviously if Jimmy G went to that, that was going to, you know, that, that would shift, but um, yeah, I I don't like this roster. And based on the conversations that we've had over the last, you know, three months, this is a team that just needs to rip the bandaid off. Do you remember what I, do you remember the the episode I put out after Russell Wilson got traded? Yeah. You said, rip it off, tank, do whatever you can. What have they done this year to, to persuade you from thinking that they're not doing that? Now, you can tell me DK Metcalf contract, Jamal Adams contract. No, those guys aren't winning football games. They're not. They're going to get stats and maybe even some, some pretty good loaded stats because, like I said, bad teams have to throw the ball in the second half. But if you, I don't think there was ever a real possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to play for this team. And by the way, if there was, he'd be there. They would have acquired right. him. They would have done it earlier so he could have learned Exactly. The they would have acquired him before the draft. Yep. They also would have drafted a quarterback at some point in time. They didn't do that either. This is a team that wants to be bad and should want to be bad. It's the right move after trading Russell Wilson. They should be going all the way down, trying to secure one of these top three quarterbacks in next year's draft and starting back up where they were with Russell Wilson, you know, eight years ago, whatever the hell it was. You're all, you made the right bet here. I'm not saying the Falcons shouldn't be doing the same thing because I think they are. So it may be a battle between those two teams to do this exact thing. But I like the value getting with Seattle. Did you get them better than plus 750? I, I think it may have been at the 750. Okay. I don't think it's shifted Still at all. Still pretty good. Uh, I'm, I agree with you 100%. Best record in the regular season. Bills have been the leader in the clubhouse for quite a while. Not even bettable at plus 450, in my opinion. Who can be the one team that takes this thing away? Don't you think it has to be... Because we've talked... Remember when Pittsburgh had this? Remember when Tennessee was this last year? It's not always the best roster in football. It's the best situation in football. So who's got the best situation this year? Mm. I know there's a lot of people saying Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are super high on Philadelphia. But it's situation. And now it is, and now it is roster couldn't... too, by the way. And by the way, that is the best offensive line in football. <laughs> yeah, but I think Dallas could be in that same conversation going up against the commanders and the giants and yep. if, if what Philadelphia has been doing doesn't work out, then that could be in their favor. Um, you know, the chiefs to a certain extent, but like you said, that, that division is going to be 
Explosive. 12 round knockout. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a reason Tennessee had the best record last year. And it ain't because they were a powerhouse. It's because at certain stages of the, of the season, for the most part, you know, probably at least half of the season, they were just handed wins. They were gifted wins from their schedule. There's a team out there that can have that happen this year. And why can't it be the 50 to one Minnesota Vikings? I mean, are you kidding me with that number? 50 to one to be the best regular season record. That's not not Super Bowl. That's not even win a playoff game. That's just be the best regular season record. And and the, the, Based off of what we just talked yes. about last half hour, Kirk Cousins at the top, you know, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, you know, that that's kind of surprising. At no, plus it's flooring me because the knock on Kirk Cousins is he can't win the big games. We're not talking big games here. We're just talking. No, we're not. Beat the Lions, beat the Bears. And they and they are well-rounded. They have a running right. back. They have the wide receivers. They have the, you know. For all the knocks that, like you said, Kirk Cousins gets for not winning the big game, sure. he 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 slings the ball. We just said how many you know yards over the last three seasons that we talked about that he's in the top ten there. So he could be regular season Kirk. That that could be his nickname. He kind of fits that mold, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Fifty to one. Yeah, that's God, not bad. I'm waste yeah. so much money in the Vikings. It's gonna be a joke. I like you better it. Diver- you better diversify yourself. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, man. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and grab yourself 40% off that first entire year subscription. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast. <laughs>